Welcome to What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, predictions from a business reporter. Some people are going to hurt. You know, we are still, for all intents and purposes, a region that is far reliant on the federal government for a lot of its economic health. Much is made of the interrelationship between the greater Washington region and the federal government. With the upcoming changes potentially in the Trump budget, this region may be facing some significant headwinds. To talk with us about that is Andy Medici, money and tech reporter at Washington Business Journal. Andy, it looks to me like this region's about to get whacked. What do you think? Well, I mean, from the talk that you hear around Capitol Hill, it definitely seems that way. You know, the Trump administration, they've been working on a budget for just a bit now, and they came into office. And as you can see, there have been talks about, you know, the EPA getting cut. You know, a lot of agencies that uh, might not survive uh, the way that they had for all these years, and that would be trouble for our region, definitely. Well, as we look at the budget, it appears that there are a number of agencies that are likely to get cut. But of course, the president's budget, there hasn't been a president's budget that's been approved by Congress since, I think, the beginning of time, right? Yeah, it's been a long time since there has been a budget approved. And, you know, I always tell people, though, that there is something important about the president's budget, which is that it's what the president wants, which can never be an insignificant thing. He's going to present it to Congress. Congress will, of course, hem and haw about the details and think about what they want. But at the end of the day, this is the best indicator of what the Trump administration thinks is its priority. And if that priority is cutting the federal workforce, then you can be guaranteed that it will be happening in some way, shape or form. Well, you have your hands in entrepreneurship and business in various ways through uh, your work at the Washington Business Journal. How do you think this is going to unfold? Uh, How's the private sector looking, the folks that are outside of the federal government? Do you think that that part of their economy is ready to absorb this uh, this harm? I'd say to tell people to look right back at sequestration, you know, that was the best indicator of what we would do with uh, medium term spending cuts. And, you know, it didn't do that well. We saw a lot of uh, job cuts. We saw some negative growth for a little bit. But, you know, it's going to depend a lot on how these cuts fall. You know, Virginia is much more dependent on defense spending, which looks like it might get a boost. Maryland, however, far more dependent on health human services with the NIH and the FDA. And D.C.'s got a, a widespread, so it really depends on where the chips fall. But you can rest assured that some people are going to hurt. You know, we are still, for all intents and purposes, a region that is far reliant on the federal government for a lot of its economic health. Now, Stephen Fuller, the economist, has been raising the alarm around this for a while, and he has come out over the last uh, week or so with research that shows over the last couple of years there hasn't been much in the way of diversification away from the federal government. Have you been following that story? Yeah, you know, Stephen Fuller has been talking about this for quite some time, the idea that we need to diversify away from the federal government and into certain high-profile, sort of high-yield sectors, you know, professional business development, technology, and those sorts of things. And he has been dismayed, I guess, by what he sees as a lack of progress. We've have, we have had job growth, but not nearly as much as we would like, and not nearly in the sectors we would like them to be. He sees a lot of that job growth in sort of the lower-paying hospitality and retail sectors, which, while it's good to have, I think, jobs over no jobs, it's probably not as good as, for example, having that $85,000 or $95,000 entry-level cybersecurity job. It's interesting you mentioned cybersecurity. Um, I'm working right now with some folks at American University on a study around the cybersecurity industry, and it's becoming pretty clear through the work that the cybersecurity industry is heavily reliant on the federal government and services as well. So uh, do you get any indications whether or not things like cybersecurity will be adversely affected by this budget? It's a difficult one to game out because cybersecurity is both independent spending, but it's also embedded into every agency budget. Every time a manager says, you know, let's upgrade our computers, there's a cybersecurity component and spending that goes along with that. You know, I'd say that it's going to be tough to game out. I think each agency is going to have to make their own choices. And I think 
that a lot of the tech companies that are focused on defense spending will probably do okay. The defense sector seems to be the area where the Trump administration and Congress seem to agree that uh, more needs to be done and more needs to be spent. Uh, but until all those details shake out in a final spending bill and not, for example, a preliminary budget, it's going to be hard to tell. So about six weeks ago, Andy, you were on the show, and at that time we were talking about the state of the local credit markets, the banking industry shrinking. Looks like interest rates may start to go up. What are you What are you seeing and hearing with respect to the availability of credit or what, uh, what effect is going to be on small business here in town? Well, you know, uh, there are some people who are saying that the credit markets are strengthening. You know, uh, higher interest rates do mean that banks become more profitable. You know, for a long time, banks have suffered a bit on the profitability side because they couldn't make money on deposits. They had to find other places to park their money. But, you know, just the other day, Radio 1 announced in their filings, you know, and in talks with their shareholders that they're hoping that these stronger credit markets mean that they can refinance a lot of their debt. So there are some companies out there that are hopefully looking to refinance that debt to both get a slightly lower rate, but at the same time, as those credit uh, scores go up and that credit agency strengthen, you're going to see more people, I guess, doing more of that type of business. And what of the local tech community? We just had South by Southwest last week. A bunch of <laughs> this town was almost a was almost a ghost town if you're trying to find a local tech entrepreneur to have coffee with. But um, I felt like left behind. You know, it was sort of a Twilight Zone episode for me. But what's your sense of the state of the uh, the tech entrepreneurial community here? Well, that would explain why no one was returning my calls. Well, no, you're a reporter. That's why everybody's <laughs> afraid of you. You're a reporter. That's why they invented caller ID, I think. Yeah. And I think when it comes to the tech community, you know, the tech community is very resilient in some ways. You know, a lot of the great innovations are sort of born out of adversity. They're sort of born out of um, difficulty and sort of trying to smooth over people's difficulties. But at the same time, you know, Greater Washington's tech economy is not uh, not huge. It's not as big as other places. And a lack of federal spending might mean that, you know, some people who are out of work might not be able to do, get the work they want. They might not be able. They might not be able to get the funding that they want. You know, this is all interrelated, and we're all part of the same ecosystem, no matter how far away from the federal government we are. So, I think it's going to be something to watch over the next few years as federal spending either goes up or goes down. So, what are you looking at right now as a lead indicator for how the rest of the year is going to unfold? Uh, that's a great question. So, I think uh, you know, looking at the president's budget is good. I think the congressional reaction to the president's budget is going to be even more important. You know, Congress is unified under Republicans, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they are unified in their ideas. So I think for anyone who wants to read the tea leaves, take a look at what they're coming up with in Congress, in the committees, see how that affects you. And, you know, just make sure you keep your eyes and ears to the ground to make sure that you are ahead of whatever's coming next, because it might be a bumpy ride. It strikes me that while there may be philosophical express philosophical differences between the Trump budget and the kind of budgets we've seen in the Republican Congress over the last couple of years. I, I think that it's pretty good money to be made on betting that there's going to be shrinkage in non-defense spending here. I mean, I think that's pretty clear. You know, right now, Congress is working on its alternative to Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act, as it was called, their own health care bill. And I think something that doesn't come up a lot is that for entrepreneurs to be successful, especially in the innovation economy, health care is a concern, getting that health care, making sure you have it. And so uh, a lot of these provisions look like they might do away with some of that portability to be able to move from one job to the other. So that's something that we're going to have to look at, whether or not premiums go up, which they may uh, under this new plan, um, depending on who you are and where you're from. But looking at whether you can get health insurance, even if you're, for example, working on your own startup or working in a small company that doesn't have the ability to do that yet, I think that's going to be very telling for the innovation economy. So the net net is that if I want to get things done in D.C., I got to get ready to roll up my sleeves. This may be a bumpy year. I, I think you're right. You know, let's 
keep your eyes to the keep your eyes on the horizon, keep your ears to the ground, and just always uh, stay alert for anything that might change. Andy Medchie, as always, thank you for joining us. Money and Tech Reporter, Washington Business Journal. You're the man with the plan and keeping us up to date. Thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure, Jonathan. Thanks for listening to What's Working in Washington. Our executive producers, Tracy Madigan, and our online contributors are Michael Hoffman and Barbara Ulrich. I am Jonathan Aberman. We tell you what's working in Washington, but we're also asking the question, what's working in Washington for you? So please let us know. We're on Twitter at What's Working DC. We look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, goodbye.